Friday. What is going on with mine? Uh, Leslie is the voice in the machine today. <laughs> yeah, it's been going on all day. Let me switch. Hold on. Yeah. So how's yeah. everybody doing today? While he gets himself together. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's not it. No. Warmer. <laughs> so why are you getting that together? I see Jackson State is playing in the Southern Heritage Classic one more time. So I'm assuming that Everyone is happy with the terms of the agreement that was worked out. Uh, Jackson State used this leverage to get what it wants. City of Memphis gets what it wants. I'm not sure Tennessee State got what they wanted. Uh, I don't know. But I'm pretty sure Jackson State got what they wanted and needed. Another quick, a quick newsworthy note. Uh, Kennedy will be joining us in a minute, and I want to wait and talk Supreme Court with her and get her feelings. Uh, but in the meantime, Liz, do you have any thoughts on the uh, Canadian truckers deal that's going on? What is that all about? I keep hearing that it's funded largely by the same groups that funded the January 6th insurrection. So why don't you? Know, uh, you're going to have to get me up to speed on that one. I am not up to speed on that one. I have heard some rumblings about it, but I'm not up to speed on it. So when it initially started, it was uh, surrounding vaccinations for truckers crossing the border. Uh, you know, the United States-Canada border, that border crossing up there, that's one of the largest, most active border crossings um, anywhere. Uh, but it turns out last week there was some reporting done and some on the ground interviews from some of the leadership of the truckers organizations. And they said they don't really know who all those people are, because by and large, most of the truckers who who have to pass that way for work are already vaccinated. So they're not sure uh, where the money is coming from to sustain these long uh, blockades because they're basically blocking traffic, keeping people from crossing the border. Interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. So that's hmm. That's got a lot of implications, a lot of for implications. I mean, it's like uh the same people that are causing calling the January 6th insurrection uh proper political discourse are the same people who are uh causing problems on the on the Canadian border. So 
their idea of proper political discourse seems to be flawed, to say the least. I would agree with that. And I think it's always going to be flawed to some degree. You know, it's driving me crazy. I can't get my camera going here. Yeah, I mean, we really enjoy seeing you uh, pretend <laughs> to be in witness protection. Uh, so, you know, we'll keep it going. Um, but yeah, I um, I found that interesting for multiple reasons, but it seems like they have gone from being a party with legitimate um, disagreements to now just grievance politics. And I think a lot of that same same vein can be seen in a lot of the stuff that they were, that they're doing. We we touched on critical race theory, but checking teachers' lessons plans and uh, trying to determine um, what's being taught. Sounds like that's a recipe for homeschool. If you don't want your child to be exposed to uh, varying viewpoints, you need to homeschool, sounds like to me. But what do I know? I don't know. Um, you know, I look at it like this, you know, it is a recipe for homeschool, just like today is a recipe that anything and everything can happen in technology. And so now I'm trying to figure it out on the fly. It's been that kind of week, y'all. It's been a busy week, my brother. Um, I think, uh, you know, technology issues always come up. I'm sure the audience just be happy just to hear your voice. Your eloquence is unmatched. Oh, um, yeah. Keep just keep feeding me that. But here's here's another question, because I don't want to get bogged down in politics too much today. Here's another question for you. Have you heard that uh, Coach Tamika Reed may be on the short list for Mississippi State University's women basketball program? That I have. And I was hoping we could get through the season before I heard that. Uh, but no, it's, it's it's a lot of eyes on Tamika Reed right now. Yeah, and so I'm just gonna tell you that if if she's gonna leave, here's what I would say: if she can hold on to the end of the season and literally win a game, win in the first round of the NCAA tournament, her paycheck is gonna be a lot heavier. So you do think she will leave? I don't know. I mean, I don't. I don't know her like that. I, I mean, you know. Uh, but but here's what I know: most competitive people I know want the next challenge. I don't know if she's accomplished all what she wanted to accomplish at J State before leaving. I don't know what her priorities are. So only Tamika Reed can speak for Tamika Reed. But I'm just looking at. I look at it this way. I'm so much in favor of Coach Reed. I like to be pleasantly surprised than very disappointed. Well, I don't know that I would be disappointed. I mean, because she has put that program in an excellent position for success. And I think she could take it on to another level. But even if she does decide to move on to the SEC, um, which I think is the type of job that may interest her, uh, especially in in state, uh, because she's shown uh, an ability to recruit. 
at a high, high level in the state of Mississippi. No doubt that she has. And so what I'm going to do, Charles, is I will be back, carry the show. I'm going to fix this camera. I think I got it fixed, but I need to go out and come back in so that I can I can actually see the audience and interact, but I do want to come in more on Coach Reed. Sure. I'm going to talk about the SEC just a little bit while you're doing it. Um, because a report came out on yesterday analyzing the funds that the SEC is is uh, splitting between member schools. Uh, this year's, this past year's payout is $777 million. And they also received some COVID relief funds. So over the last three years, they probably uh, distributed close to $3 billion. And so when we talk about the disparities in funding, um, what it takes to run a program, there's a big, big difference between uh, the member schools of the SEC and the member schools of the SWAC. So you think about that, that's probably in ex excess of $60 million per school. Um, that is a lot of money. Yeah, so, and their revenue is up 18%. I'm looking at uh, alabama.com and their news feed and uh, 14 member institutions uh, that worked out to an average of $54.6 million per school. Uh, so it went from last year, $657 million to this last payout, $777 million. Their revenue is drastically on the rise. And for those of you who wonder, well, what does that mean? A lot of that money goes back into facilities. It goes into um, amenities. It goes into scholarships and education and enhancements of the entire campus, but especially the sports complex. Because if you've never gone on a tour of the SEC athletic departments, I can tell you from firsthand visits, they are some of the best in the entire country. Um, and those are the type of things that help build and sustain Power Five programs. Whereas on the other hand, they're splitting that between the schools as a revenue split. And if you look at the budget of a Jackson State football, $3.2, $3.3 million. And you wonder why um, we have to renegotiate some of our deals because that's the only way we can grow. It doesn't make sense to play games that don't fit um, a money-making schedule that's going to enhance the athletic department and the university's uh, bottom line. And so that's just some perspective on that. Um, while we get all our technical issues worked out, um, I think Coach Prime and his son, Shadur, are going to be on the big screen uh, this weekend with a Super Bowl commercial. Um, and that should be quite interesting. I will tell you one of the benefits of name, likeness, and imaging uh, for Jackson State is having someone as dynamic as Coach Prime 
to steer the ship because he's been in the marketing uh, component since he was at Florida State. Uh, if you if you watched any of his 30 for 30 that's on Disney Plus, uh, he talks about his two personas, Deion Sanders for baseball and primetime for football and what those meant as far as marketing opportunities with Nike and other sponsors uh, and how that uh, benefited his career. And so you fast forward from there to uh, 2022, um, he's not uh, a new face on the scene when it comes to marketing. Everybody knows him as one of the greatest football players to ever play, uh, but he's proven himself to be a master marketer. Uh, and he's helped uh, tremendously work through the university resources to expand the reach of Jackson State as a brand. And so that ties back into getting more revenue into the university. Uh, so that's all, all positives, all positives. Well, hello. Well, hello, Kennedy. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm great. I'm sitting here just talking, talking to space. Leslie had some technical issues, so I figured I'd just keep talking. So I was talking about Coach Prime and his marketing ability and what that means for uh, building the Jackson State brand. Um, and uh, right before that, we were talking about, uh, well, I was talking about uh, the differences in revenue because uh, the SEC just announced their new revenue split. And each school is getting about, I just I just told the audience about it, but I'll tell you because I'm sure you're, you're starting to get an uh, interest in this. So yeah. last year, um, <clears throat> the total revenue was $657 million and it was split on an average of $45.5 million between each 14 member institutions. This year it has gone up uh, roughly 18, 20% to 777 million and they're splitting 54.6 million per school. So you put that in perspective, that's just their revenue split. They got television and everything else wrapped up. Uh, that makes a huge, uh, benefit to the member institutions when they work out budgets and funding uh, for the upcoming fiscal year. Uh, and so much money they can put into enhancing and building on what they already have. And so they've been doing that for many, many years as far as their revenue splits. It's only going to keep going up as ad costs go up. And, yes. so and since you're talking about revenue split, I don't know if you heard of course, but I heard. <laughs> today, I went state. I mean, the revenue split, split is now since the classic will be uh, scheduled. We're going to be playing the classic this fall. It's going to go as planned. So I actually wonder how that new revenue split is going to go between the schools. It's really interesting. Well, that's what you call using leverage. <laughs> yes, and also I think really the public bullied them enough. No. <laughs> Nah, that was that was about that was about the money. <laughs> <laughs> no, yes, but since we also want to talk about revenue, um, I don't know, Dr. Irvin, I wanted to ask you: Is this something that's been new to Jackson, or is it kind of reoccurring? But the Jackson Fest, it's new. Actually, it is new. Okay, great. Yeah, it's a rebranding. We've had we've had we have different city branded events over the years. Okay. But this is a new name and probably a new formatting. And I saw some new blood in the leadership 
uh, committee. So I'm interested to see what's going to happen with it. Same, because I was asking some of my Jackson uh, Jackson friends, I was like, is this kind of new? And they were saying it's really not new. It's just like what you said, a new name to it with the Jackson Fest. Mm-hmm. Some of the artists, if I'm not mistaken, I had to, I'm pulling it up on my phone because I saved the fire. I saw while I was on Instagram, but some people who are interested, it is in May. Some of the finest artists are Big Crick, Lucky Day, The Weeks, Dear Silas, and many more people. But I honestly think this will be great highlighting some, uh, really the city of Jackson. I feel like it's going to bring some positivity to the city of Jackson in my eyes. And just, you know, another way to bring in revenue as well. Yeah. I mean, and Silas is a local uh, celebrity who's gone big. Uh, Crit is a Mississippi native. He's from Meridian. Yeah. Um, and so I don't know that much about Lucky Day. I like his music, but, uh, you know. Hey. And also, since you're mentioning a, a Mississippi native, um, dang, I have to look up that player. I wanted to say he's actually uh, going to the Super Bowl. Cam Akers. Yes. I did not even know that either. Yeah. Uh, it looks like we got another. Hey, the shadow is back. <laughs> <laughs> Shadow is back, and now he's in here making uh sound effects. Oh man, it still don't work, <laughs> it, does, it does not. So, why don't you just talk to us? I That's think it'll be interesting. Creativity, we're doing some Kanye type uh visual effects. Hey, you see that freezing they got of me? That is that is what my thought process is going like today. <laughs> That's all right, it's Friday, so we're gonna. Keep it loose, keep it live. Uh, you were talking about uh, Coach Reed before you got off to try to uh, fix the, the technical issues. <laughs> and I was just running Kennedy through the new revenue split. Uh, and it can't hurt to say it again. $777 million split between 14 member institutions for about $54 million per institution, up 18% from last year. Wow. So yeah. how much does that break down for each institution? Because, you know, they had an additional institution. 54.6. The new institutions don't come live until next year. Either next year or 2025. You're talking about Texas. And, so um, let me let me let me magnify this a bit. Right. So I just want to I want to show people the income disparity in real numbers. Yeah, you're late. We already did that. <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah, we already did that. Oh, okay. Did you did you guys compare it to like where where the swag payout is now from the institution? And yes. this one of the highest in terms of FCS and how the the disparity between the two. You can run through the actual payout. I talked about individual budget. Just to oh, see okay. How so big of a if, difference? If you look, SEC I think has how many teams in that? Six. Fourteen. 14. 14 now. Swag has 12. But listen, so the swag is going to distribute distribute seven figures, which is a million dollars. So wow. It's clear. It's, it's only like a little million dollars to his member 12 institutions. The SEC is going to distribute, did you say 771 million? That's a change. Yes. 54 million per school. So Jeez. when you break down, uh, <laughs> so let's say let's be optimistic and say the SWAC is going to distribute 
which I know is not. Let's just say 1.5 million. And they're going to distribute that to the 12 member schools. That's about 125,000 per school. Okay. 54 million, mm -hmm. A noticeable, a very noticeable difference in that. <laughs> That's beyond noticeable. That that's right. that's like that's like fine dining <laughs> and and wish sandwiches. Like I mean, not not fast food. Wish sandwiches where you wish you had some meat in it. <laughs> that's the disparity of that. So we're talking about monster disparity there. And so I think it's important to bring that to mind because sometimes I will hear a patron saying, "Well, why come?" Why come the swag or why come the state don't do this like the SEC? Because they don't have SEC money and resources. Right. And, and it goes it goes without saying, though, the biggest difference in that is we're getting individual uh, payouts based off of random selection, basically. We're in a lottery to get on television. Um we don't have our own network, whereas they have the SEC network, which drives most of that generation. And they have SEC football on the SEC network and SEC baseball on the SEC network and <laughs> SEC basketball on the SEC <laughs> network. But football being the king out of all of those. So guess what happens during the football game? Commercials. And those commercials are paying from the lion's share of that revenue split. That's ad purchases. That's the power of having your own network. Indeed it is. It is. That is the true power of it. But also, hopefully when we have our own network, we can also, like you said, show all of the sports. Um, as you all know, the girls, boys, and basketball team beat uh, University UAPB. The girls won 69 and 55, and the boys won 60 to 47. And they are playing, they're scheduled to play FAMU tomorrow here at home. So hopefully we can shut FAMU up with that one because they always have something to say. Yeah. I have always had something to say. But since we're going to uh, lead into the show, uh, I don't really know. I wanted to post this out for some of our viewers just in case they're living in Rankin County. But at this point, it's alarming. To me, I don't know if it's the state of Mississippi, if it's northern Mississippi, I don't know what it is. But Rankin County, I least 500 customers. I'm um, in Rankin County, the side of the Ross Barnett Reservoir. I ended up blowing water notice as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's a different issue than the one we've been discussing with Jackson. But um, that's not that's not a Mississippi issue anymore, Kennedy. That's a United States issue because yes. our physical plants are old. Mm. And so when you have old water treatment facilities, when you have old pipes underground, when you have uh, all these different things, your sanitation uh, lagoons, the equipment there is out, all those things affect quality of life. Very true. But so do they, do the water systems not correlate at all between Jackson and Rankin County at all? Not really. But it's just a sim it's not a similar issue either. It's a, it's a I don't know what their issue is, but they issue so boil water notice notices go out when there's an interruption or or there's low pressure because when there's low pressure, there could there could be sediment 
meaning different silts and chemicals settling in the in the pipes. And so they give you a boil water notice to make sure that the water is uh, in drinking form and safe. Mm. Okay, okay. Because they also mentioned in the article they didn't. They just said it was a a low uh, water pressure, but they didn't really mention any actual issues. And it's just alarming because it's like, man. When are these? Well, low water pressure, I can tell you from having served in city government, mm-hmm. low water pressure can happen at any time. It could be okay. it could be that someone who was who was actually at the treatment facility put a little bit too much of one water mm-hmm. treatment chemical or something in there and they slowed it down so they could get it balanced back up. Okay. It could be that there was a blown fuse and something is not working and they got to do a quick repair. The boil water notice is for the end result meaning that there's still water coming out and it's probably a good amount, but the water pressure on the other end where they're treating is not quite where it needs to be. Okay. All right. Understandable. Understandable. I do like that. Um, also in other news in Mississippi as well, former Laurel, uh, <laughs> Laurel, 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 I'm trying to Laurel because some of my classmates say it completely different. <laughs> yeah. Most people from there say Laurel. Yeah, Laurel, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Laurel, Mississippi. Laurel, Mississippi. But an officer was actually found guilty for beating a black man in 2018. So, according to Jasper County Circuit Clerk, um, Bryce Gilbert was convicted of one count of aggravated assault. And also, this happened in 2018. And it was Officer Gilbert and Chris Ray Robinson. They were accused of beating the black man named James Barnett. Um, he sped away from the traffic checkpoint and led the officers on a chase. But the officers were later terminated from the department following an internal investigation into allegations of police brutality. So this one incident actually led into a whole other (laughs) investigation because it was multiple um, cases against them about this. Mm -hmm. So I feel like this was at least a step forward. Um, But I wanted to uh, show this because it also just informs the audience on how I guess it's tedious the process can be at times because it's four years later and it's still an issue. Um, it's not surprising, it's not alarming, but also I just wanted people to be aware that we are making steps for changes. Last week, they're also trying to make a, a, a plan for fixing the water infrastructure here in Jackson. So it's baby steps, it's baby steps. But I would agree with that. Yes, it is definitely baby steps. Um, and then do you feel like as time has passed, do you see as a Mississippi native in a well, you're not really Hines County, but you lived in Jackson for a while. Have you seen actually any changes you feel as though, Dr. Irvin? I'm still a Hines County native. I've lived all over Hines <laughs> County. Uh, have I seen changes? Do you feel so I've been here long enough to see the negative changes. Jackson used to be a very, very vibrant city, but the population mm. has dwindled. Um, the amenities have dwindled. And so we got a lot of work to do. I think the spirit of Jackson is what you all get to experience. That spirit is is everlasting. I mean, it's it's a very unique place with its own vibe and energy. And with the resurgence of the football team, y'all get to experience some of that positive vibe. But as far as the a city in decline, I see a lot of that. And I wonder constantly how we work to find ways to navigate our way back into prominence because it has geographic uh, relevance. It has historical relevance. 
It has cultural relevance. It has educational relevance. Um, and it's a, it's a city with, with uh, dynamics, if tapped into, um, has great, great potential. But how do we execute on that potential? Wow. Very true. And that is, I do, I do completely agree. I do um, feel as though that is where we're at and our standstill when it comes to executing that potential, but figuring out ways to progress. Uh, also, I, I meant to put this in the show, but I recently just found this out because it's just happened um, like not too long, like literally within 24 hours. So Dr. Urban, is this, I guess it is legal at the same time. I want to know your professional opinion on, do you feel like this is, like you just said, executing um, the potential? So recently, Jackson a police officer, well, the police department just said that if you are driving without a license and or insurance, then you will be arrested and your car will be towed. Now, how is this progressive or any way at all or executing the potential of this city? Mm, it is a public safety concern. It just seems a tad bit off key because that means with the level of violent crimes in Jackson, you're diverting a lot of police resources to offenses that otherwise would be handled by uh, a civil citation or a ticket. I do get that, but okay, Dr. Irvin, does this not give like overpopulation of prisons almost? At so here's, here's the thing about that. They're, they're saying they're going to arrest. They didn't say they were going to keep you. Okay. The problem is the 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 diverting of manpower because you need to handle these violent crimes instead of worrying about whether or not somebody's driving with insurance. You need to do both, but exactly. not to not to the not to the level of arresting people for that. That's what and that's what I was trying to figure out because it it just seemed like okay, is this making any sort of progress? Like it's just yeah, but it's making progress on the wrong thing. <laughs> I mean, somebody driving without a license. Now, had they said we're cracking down on on drunk driving or exactly, exactly. intoxicated driving or uh, reckless driving, what somebody is doing, you know, when they had this whole thing over the summer where those kids were jamming up the interstates, drag race and that type yeah. of thing. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's something totally different. But just the mere fact that you're driving without uh, insurance, and I'm not condoning it. What I'm saying right. is there is an overriding issue of aggravated assaults, murder, uh, drug trafficking, those types of things that need a lot of attention. And then you choose to focus on exactly drivers without insurance. And it just, like I said, this is really like fairly new, like less than, well, more than like less than 48 hours, really. I just found mm -hmm. this out yesterday. But one of the students um, just happened, well, JSU student, she just said, whatever, that they're, they're not playing about that. It was a roadblock on Fortification Street earlier this morning. And two, two cars were being towed and they were being arrested. I Hopefully, Jackson Police, I, I, this is my thing. Hopefully, in all honesty, I want Jackson Police Department to rekindle some type of trust within the community, but also make positive efforts in change. I think a lot of times, from the outside looking in, because I'm really not a Mississippi native, people don't really take their authority seriously. And that's also possibly due to um, lack of resources and lack of 
funding police officers really because they don't get paid enough. So it's not a lot of police officers to begin with. But it's also when I say not trusting them because it seems as though the department focuses on everything but what is actually happening, which is the crime right. rate. Right. And, and that's the true issue here. But I did want to bring that aware just to let other people know and understand if you are driving without a license, please stop. If you're driving without insurance, I wouldn't say hurry up and get that because that takes a process. But still, well, I would say hurry up and get yeah, it. Yeah, hurry up and get it. But I just I've, I've, I've had plenty of plenty of people I represented on lack of insurance, and that's one of the highest tickets. And wow. it can really, you know, that can set you back. I mean, that's wow. yeah, that's that's an expensive item right there. So yes, please try to get it. I know that takes a while, but please hurry up and get that. But I really just wanted to make that aware that we did have some breaking news. Um, and recently, so we also talked about how there's some black women being of course Supreme Court justice. I recently spoke um, in an interview with WLBT this past um, week with a few of my peers, with uh, Roger Talley as well. And another- Is that a light flex? Is that, a, is that, is that what I'm hearing? I was, I was leading into it. Okay, yeah. okay. Well, go ahead, man. <laughs> Let them know. <laughs> with another student of mine called Alexandria. But it's also showing, so this is where I actually wanted to ask you this, Dr. Irvin, for, I guess, clarification, because I'm trying to figure out how does- the majority use a program that they implemented and try to reverse it and say it's the minority's fault, if that makes sense. So in the article, other um, Republican governors and senators such like Ted Cruz, um, Mitt Romney have made statements on basically saying that this uh, Biden's uh, on he, as he's on a campaign to, you know, have a black woman at Supreme Court justice is disheartened by the talk of some corners about the appointment amounting to affirmative action. And it, some remarks from Ted Cruz, and my apologies, I said Mitt Romney, but Roger Wicker of Mississippi, who have sought to diminish the appointment as an example of affirmative action that disadvantages white people. So how is it that they created a program for this, but now it's almost like they're trying to use it as reverse racism, but this is so, it's just not what they, like, I'm trying to get a better understanding. Like, is this not so what they as, as one of my students... I'm going to ask you to think about what you just said. That has absolutely nothing to do with affirmative action. But it really does sound good and it makes you question and think about and talk about affirmative action, which they won't done away with because their whole premise is black people are not good enough for these positions. And I told you on the other day, the absurd number of white male justices there have been. The overwhelming majority of Supreme Court justices have been white and male. Yeah, very true. So now that you may be getting a black female who just by the mere fact that she's a black female and has gotten to this level in the legal profession, she's going to be Highly, highly qualified and decorated and be able to think through all of the issues that relate to how the Constitution should be read and interpreted. So that is one of those genius Republican talking points that gets you focused on the wrong thing. I think, yes, as you did state that in a, a past show about is how they catch the 
audience eye on certain. What did you repeat? Mm-hmm. I can't figure out what you they, said. They, they get you thinking about catchphrases. And when you're thinking about catchphrases, you're missing the fact that, hey, wait a minute. How many white, I mean, somebody needs to just go ask them, how many white male uh, Supreme Court justices have there been? How many white female? Not many. How many Latinx? Not many. How many black? Not many. Two black males and zero black female. <laughs> Thurgood Marshall. And another man. <laughs> Yeah, so yeah. <laughs> that's all I'll say about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, I did just want to mention now. It's also it's um in the middle of February, so we should be hearing about that appointment pretty soon. Hopefully, he'll make some history during Black History Month. And so, I just wanted to bring that aware and just let people understand. Also, letting people make sure that you're paying attention to the officials. Midterms is coming up. It's very important to pay attention to your government officials. Um, just be aware and be alert. So I definitely wanted to make that known. Um, I was hopefully, this, I don't think he's still going to be able to join. But I wanted to give a wrap of a nice little quick summary of our webinar yesterday. If you missed that, we also have firsthand experience. Dr. Irving here, ladies and gentlemen, if you don't know, and he has said in the past, um, that his credit has improved and is great. So if you missed that, that was something that you definitely didn't want to miss. We gave out a lot of great tips. Um, definitely, it was very helpful to a lot of people. Um, it was offered that one time for free. So if you missed out, you missed out. It was just uh, very, it was just, it is what it is. If you wasn't maybe, able to maybe we can, Maybe we can, don't tell them, don't tell them that I said this. Uh, maybe we can persuade Leslie into doing another one. <laughs> Yeah, you persuade Mr. Because <laughs> I already got on the first time, and that was a little push and pull. Yeah. But make sure that y'all are still paying attention. You can also join our Facebook group towards the end of the show. I'm going to go ahead and um copy and paste that link so you can also get um good well good tip credit tips that we're gonna be passing out. A lot of TikToks if you haven't um seen some of the TikToks that I've made. Yeah. <laughs> shout out! Shout out to you and your creativity and Krishanta. Y'all, y'all were extremely funny, especially the one with the scream. I think that was my favorite one. Really, I didn't yeah. even know if y'all was gonna get it at the time. I was like, I don't really know if they're gonna understand this TikTok because the last time when I showed you TikTok, you said, "What am I looking at?" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> TikTok is not really my is not really my uh, my area. But I enjoyed I enjoyed the videos and I think they served the purpose of, of getting people's attention focused on it. Seemed like we had a pretty good crowd too. We did. And we I've heard I've heard good things uh, about um, you know the information that was gathered. So I think that's all you know. That's good because the the one thing we want to do is educate. You know, so people will have that advantage when it comes to playing the credit game yes i think a lot of people uh, don't i don't think they really realize but i know that i realize well maybe i am a little biased but still as i've been an intern at your law firm i think it's very great and i understand that you all emphasize educating the public on a lot of things not just law but credit as well mm-hmm. from your rights um also you all are making sure that you're helping um, giving back to the community with mentorship 
helping young kids. So it's very important that y'all please pay attention. Urban law isn't just here for legal advice. That's all. Do we have any comments? Can you see if we have any comments? Because Leslie has some some technical difficulties, so I'm not sure if we had any or not. Yes, Megan, if you're on right now, if you'd like to share your experience in the comment section, that would be very great. I did see Miss McCoy on there as well. We had a great turnout. We had about 16 to 20 people that showed up. So I was very happy about that. Yeah. He definitely gave out a he Mr. Peters had a very great show, very informative. He got him in and out. He was not on CPT time. So that's wonderful. <laughs> that is very wonderful. But if you can, if you are in the conversation, anybody that did attend the um webinar, I wanted to share your experiences. Um, another thing that I did want to mention. So did you I have a question? Um, Dr. Mm-hmm. Do you know who the first black man was to become a lawyer? No, I do not. Ah, I'm glad I got a black history fact that you don't know. You know, you're a okay. smart man. But basically, right. come on with it. John Mercer Langston was the first black man to become a lawyer. Um, he passed the bar in Ohio in 1854, and he was elected to post of town clerk for Brownhelm, Ohio in 1855. Um, Langston became one of the first African Americans ever elected to public office in America. And was also the great uncle uncle of Langston Hughes, which makes sense. But yeah. I actually did not know that. I actually thought you did know that, though. No, I did not. I did not. I mean, I I looked it up after I saw your question, <laughs> but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna tell you that I knew that off the top. No, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> oh wow! But I definitely did want to just end that up with the show with a nice black history fact. Oh yes, Miss McCoy. Hello, Megan. Yes. Yes, it was really informative. I'm already looking forward to sharing with my 17-year-old. Yes, please share with the 17-year-old. That's another thing I failed to mention. Um, It felt great just to see, like, when I was going through the member list, I even found some of my uh, stu- uh classmates, like, in my classifications from mm-hmm. SU that were in the program. I said, wow, I'm actually doing my job. <laughs> yeah, that's wonderful. I mean, because... Here's the thing about the credit game. It is the long game. It follows you for your entire adult life. And just like I shared my my information about, you know, life throwing things at you, that happens to everybody. Whether it's medical, whether it's relationship, whether it's job loss. It could be any number of things. Uh, Vehicle loss. You get a vehicle that's in the shop and you can't afford to pay for it any longer. Yeah. Guess what? That that's that's going to affect your credit negatively. So you need to know the ins and outs of it. And then at the next level of when you're establishing credit, knowing when and how to pay your bill to get maximum impact. Those are all things that can be helpful. And the end result is you have the knowledge and then it creates better buying power. So yeah. if we can if we can get that all over the community, whether it's black, white, uh, Asian, Latinx, it doesn't matter. Knowing the credit game is what can save you money and make you money over the long term. Yes, very true. I'm glad you, great way to um, mention that. I don't think a lot of people realize that. I know I have, and I, I have been working on making sure that my credit is right because we are already in the second semester of my junior year. I only have one year yet, and I want to make sure I have great credit before I leave. That's right. <laughs> so I can buy me um, attainable things like a car and whatnot. Um, before we do end the show, oh, yes, we work to change your behavior, which changes your credit for life. 
So please make sure, like I said, I am going to drop um in the chat. I want to. I'm trying to find the link to our Facebook group. But also, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, please feel free to email me. I am going to drop my email in the chat as well, my Urban Law email. And I also wanted to remind the audience that make sure that you um, are making your annual business reports. It's about that time again in the year. It's always yeah. that time. Reports, reports for LLCs and corporations and what have you are due in April. April 15 is the deadline. So don't wait till the last minute. We can help you with that. So, um, Dr. Irvin, I actually, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm always, like I said, learning and progressing. Mm -hmm. what, are, what are reports like? What is with the LLC? Because so, even some of my friends here with their businesses have it, but I never really understood it. So each, so when you're starting or initiating a new business, you have to register. If it's an LLC, a limited liability company, mm -hmm. um, you okay. register that with the Secretary of State's office. And you have certain origination papers that have to be filed along with that. And then there are certain rules to the road that you have to follow. One of those rules is each April 15th, uh, they go through and they purge to make sure people are in compliance and have filed an annual report from uh, at least one of the managers or members or an agent of their company saying that they have done everything they're supposed to do and that they're in good shape. That's all it is. So when they mean by purge, what do you mean? Like they could take your LLC? They don't take it. They dissolve it. So it's basically you're not a company anymore, if that makes right. sense. Wow. Which can have all types of tax and, and oh. liability and other ramifications. Okay, okay, okay. That, that makes sense. Okay, mm -hmm. then. Okay, wow. I definitely, like I said... I didn't know, so I definitely wanted to let other people know. And for the people who were like, well, they keep on saying annual reports. If you have an LC, you need to make sure that you are. Yeah, it's the same thing. If you have a nonprofit, there are certain uh, reporting features that you need to do every year uh, to make sure that you maintain certain statuses, whether that's as a charity or a foundation or your uh, short form taxes. Uh, get help if you don't know. Like Kennedy said, it's okay if you don't know, yeah. but you don't need to be in business and mess up and then something happened that affects you and your livelihood because that, especially if it's an LLC, that LLC is there to give you a layer of protection from liability because if you don't have it and something happens and someone sues you, they can come after everything you own. Whereas if they sue the LLC, you have protections. The liability is limited to things that are owned within the business. Wow. So there y'all y'all heard it here first. So make sure y'all are starting y'all any reports now. Um also we put in the chat any more information about our credit corner program. I'm also gonna put in the chat my um my email. So if you have any questions about the credit corner program, y'all can definitely email me at kharrison um at urbanlaw-com. Make Urban sure that law. Urban Dash. Oh, my bad. Urban Dash. My apologize. Yes. That's right. Always, That's right. always there to correct me. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but before we end the show, Dr. Urban, what are your Super Bowl predictions? That's why I really wanted to end the show on. Well. Because I honestly didn't think the Super Bowl, the people in the Super Bowl now, I didn't think they was going to make it. I'm hurt that my Packers lost the way that they did, but we're going to. It's okay. I'm going to pick the Bengals to win. Wow. You think Joe Burrow got it like that? I do. Why do you pick the Bengals? Why do you pick the Rams? I'm a fan of Joe Burrow. 
Ah, oh, okay, 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 okay. So we have a prediction: thirty-one to twenty-eight Rams. I wouldn't be surprised, but here's the thing: Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow is one of the coolest cats under pressure, and I just always feel like, yes, it takes a team, but more than likely in the Super Bowl, you got to have that one it factor guy. And Joe Burrow is that times 10. Mm. All right. Well, Mr. Peters has the Rams. You have the Bengals. I'm actually going to have the Rams as well. Yep. I feel like, you know, but then again, I wouldn't be surprised. It's kind of the Bengals are kind of giving the comeback story. They're kind of giving like the, um, the KC again. Mm-hmm. I hope that doesn't happen. Yeah. They have a they have a really good feel good story. They seem like they genuinely love playing together. And you had an LSU connection. When, when you're in doubt, you had a Joe Burrow to Jamar Chase connection that can uh, cover up a multitude of problems. <laughs> we'll see about that. Do you have any Valentine's Day plans as well? Because everybody uh, this Valentine's Day weekend. So No, not particularly. Yeah, good. Make sure y'all say you don't have any either. So I'll be watching the game as well. But I did just want to end the show on a good note with the Super Bowl. Any last words before we go, Dr. Irvin? No, I, I checked the COVID numbers today, and we had 2,200 new cases. So everybody be safe. Please. And wear your mask. Yes. And sanitize and shower and wear your mask and vaccine and get a booster, please. That's and this was the 2,200 new cases in the U.S. or in the state of Mississippi alone? No, it's Mississippi. So that that doesn't even make it any better. That's no. It's- <laughs> no, I'm taking my media surroundings because I'm not all over the U.S. I am all over Mississippi and I want to know what's going on. <laughs> oh, yes, yes, yes. But make sure that y'all be safe. I'm um, have a great Super Bowl weekend and happy early Valentine's. Bye, y'all.